Turin. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk. Heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Jesus said in the world, you will have tribulation, but be assured I have overcome the world. But what does that mean? What does that mean when you're living in the midst of turmoil Uh, the likes of which the world has seldom ever seen, and it's growing exponentially every single day. If you're listening to the news, if you're watching the news, uh, you don't even have to listen to the news and watch the news in one sense. You can just walk down the street, and you can realize that there's something in the air that is not right and is not good and is not pleasing to God. So how do we respond? The issue isn't what is there, it's how do we respond to what is there. In the world, you will have tribulation. So, the interesting thing is that tribulation comes not just from the outside, but it comes from the inside. That's right. Sometimes we refer to that as spiritual warfare. Do you know what spiritual warfare is, my friend? It is the battle between your ears. That's where 90% of spiritual warfare takes place, between your ears. And what lies between your ears? For most of us, it's our minds, our brains, our mind, will, and emotions. That's what lies between our ears, and that's what the the uh, evil one, the uh, deceiver, the one who wants to take you down, is using to bring you down. Indeed, so many people... And then again, there are relationships. There are all kinds of relationships. One of the words that's been made so popular in the last 10 years is the word toxic. Everything you don't like is toxic. Every person that you don't care for is toxic. And if you see everybody as toxic, then you will become toxic as well. Because hurting people hurt people. That's right. Therefore, the problem is not with them necessarily, It's maybe with me. It might have to do with my thinking. It might have to do with the battle going on in my own mind and heart. So today on Viewpoint, we're going to be dealing with that, trying to root out uh, some of these battles, identify what is uh, bringing about uh, these battles that we're undergoing. Now, everybody has different emotional makeups. If you were to look in... uh, Romans chapter 12, you would find seven particular, we'll call them motivational gifts. They're they're more like personality types, and they range from the prophetic all the way down to mercy. And every one of them is radically different. And every single one of them looks at the issues of our time and also relationships through different eyes. That's part of our problem, because we're different. Now, you might not think the rest of the world is different. Maybe you think everybody's different. Well, both is probably true. You're different, and everybody else is different. And that's the world we live in. And so you and I are called, as followers of Jesus Christ, to live victoriously and without fear in that world. Because fear has torment. So our special guest today, Kathy DeGraw, is joining us with her book, Mind Battles, and I welcome you to Viewpoint. 
This is, uh, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation with ever increasing conviction, talk that transforms. Kathy, it's good to have you on the, on the program. It's great to be here, Chuck. I was just listening to you and I'm just like, wow, you, this is just like, I could just sit here and listen to you all day. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> just like, I'm like, I want more. I want more. Come on, Chuck. Keep talking. <laughs> Well, you know, nothing on this program is ever scripted. We've been on the air now for 28 years, almost 28 years, confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home. And certainly, uh, for, for professing Christians, this matter of fear, uh, is a big deal. Uh, God, we're told, has not given us the spirit of fear. So where does it come from? Is it just demonic or are we self-creating a lot of this stuff? in our own minds, the way we think, and then the way we speak. What do you think? It's both. It is demonic. You know, the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. But also, we have taken the way that we were raised, the experiences that we've been through. We've taken the relationships and the surroundings and the things that have happened in the world, and we've created actually new behavior patterns and thought patterns and we are taking ownership of the fear instead of ownership of faith. Mm. And that is just, wow. You know, like, when we look at this, God created us to have faith. You know, he created us to be in faith, to have a sound mind, self-discipline, and self-controlled is mm-hmm. actually, you know, when you study out Second Timothy 1.7 is what it means. But we have taken that and laid that aside side and fear is our first reaction a normal reaction and we worry vain imaginations false scenarios and we just let those run wild yeah i i like the term vain imaginations well i like it because it says a lot uh the bible talks about vain imaginations and uh the word imaginations in the greek means reasonings and thoughts so it would be vain reasonings and thoughts in other words, reasons and thoughts that don't line up with reality, but they are our own reality. We create a kind of artificial reality through vain reasonings and thoughts, and then we begin to walk in those. And reminds me of, uh, I, I did major in psychology, undergraduate, uh, whether it was for good or for ill. <laughs> and I remember the professor once saying, you know, it's okay if you uh, build sandcastles in the sky, just don't move into them. <laughs> but a lot of people, they build vain imaginations and thoughts in their mind, and then they move into them, and it becomes their reality. When that happens, you're in bondage, I think. You're definitely in bondage, and I think sometimes we don't even realize that the bondage that we're in, and so often we want to blame that bondage on everyone else. But we are the people that have the control and the power over our mind. It's what are we doing? Are we allowing those vain imaginations to control us, or are we controlling them? You know, the good news is is that God created our minds for actually to be ever-changing. We can change them. It's called neuroplasticity. Ooh, that's a big word. <laughs> it is. It is. Sometimes it's a struggle to get that word out, Chuck, mm-hmm. I can be honest. Um, but, it's a, you know, they're ever-changing. And so, you know, if we look at Scripture, 
we're made in the image of God, and so we weren't made to have these mind-tormenting thoughts and these vain imaginations, but what we've done is we've changed the way our mind was created by not taking control over behavior patterns and thoughts. And so we actually started training our mind to think negative or to go in what I call unfruitful and unproductive direction. But God made it so we can change it back. And so that's the good news. But we got work to do. Yes, we do have work to do. And I trust that as a result, as you and I have prayed before the program, as a result of our conversation here today, there will be those who are uh, led in a path uh, back to uh, freedom from the bondage of uh, vain imaginations, vain reasonings and thoughts that have brought them into uh, incredible bondage and uh, where they live in a kind of terror. And the interesting thing is that stress and anxiety and worry uh, and fear are led to sickness and disease. It raises our cortisone levels, uh, maybe type 2 diabetes. we got to get control of this. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chrismar, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Friend, let me ask you about your thinking. Yes, your thinking, the one who's listening here today. How would you describe the way you think? Are you thinking what God thinks? Are you thinking what he says about you? Are you thinking what he says about our circumstances? You see, interestingly, we're living in a time when uh, terror is sweeping the world. Yes, even our leaders all over the world are terror-stricken. You may not think so, but they are. They don't know what to do. And when they don't know what to do and pretend like they do, then that leads to a great deal of uncertainty among we the people. And so we become terror-stricken. Now, we don't necessarily realize that. Sometimes it comes in the form of anxiety. Uh, Sometimes it comes in the form of what we would just describe as fear. But the reality is that we're living in those times. Now, here's the thing. We need to realize Jesus said the times were going to be like this. So it's not a matter of denying the times. It's not a matter of denying the reality out there. I mean, Jesus did say, remember, that the times were coming when men's hearts would fail them for fear for the things that are coming upon the earth. So it's no wonder that people have fear and fear has torment. However, if we are truly following the Lord Jesus Christ, if we're truly thinking his thoughts, if we're truly walking in his ways, then we should be rising above that irrational or unreasonable fear, and we should be walking by faith. You see, faith is a way of living. It's not something I have. It's something I do. Faith is something I do. I trust. I believe, and I have faith, and all three of those words come from the same Greek root word. All of them. And we have to operate them together. And when we do, 
we are in a position to be able to defeat unreasonable fear and anxiety that brings us into bondage. And, as our guest says in her book, our first step in overcoming a mind battle is identifying our enemy, just like it would be in a, in a war out there. Dealing with vain imaginations and hurtful words and the lies we believe and choose to believe. This book, Mind Battles, is going to be yours for your gift of $17 or more to Save America Ministries. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 2. Two five five. Writing a check at five dollars for postage and handling. Mind battles, battles. Kathy, that means that this is not an easy day for a lady, so to speak. A battle is a battle, right? A battle is a battle, and they're piercing battles. They're tormenting battles, and they're hard battles. Well, you went through a lot of those yourself, I think, uh, that gave rise to the book, right? Yes, I did. I actually lived in fear. For about 40 years, fear would attack my mind in different things, medical ailments, health, um, vehicles, accidents. Oh, my goodness. You were terrified. And, you know, you mentioned the word 40. That's the that's the number of testing. Yeah. You know that, of course. 40 days, 40 days of the, uh, in the wilderness, 40 years of the wilderness. My goodness. You were tested for 40 years. That is painful. But, but now you've written this book. There you go. And that's the point. That is the point. Now, I'm thinking back, when I think about this uh, area of battle in our minds, the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10, he said, the, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly, mm-hmm. but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then he says that in order to do this by faith, you have to cast away all the reasonings and thoughts or imaginations that are contrary to the word of God and bring every one of your thoughts into captivity to the obedience or agreement with Christ. It seems to me that he gave us right there the prescription for winning the battle. How is it that so many Christians are not? Because we don't take that verse and live it and walk in it. You know, it says to capture that thought And when we actually study that out, it means, does that thought obey the Messiah or align with the Word of God? And I believe as Christians, we're lazy, we're passive, we're in that microwave, fast food, quick fix society. (laughs) Okay. You know, and we don't want we don't want to do the work, Chuck. We just want someone to say, "Hey, uh, cast out my demon." And what we have to realize is everything's not a demon. And I think sometimes casting out a now, demon. Wait a minute, wait just a minute. I, I want to interrupt here because what you just said is so important. Not everything is a demon or demonically controlled or induced. That's right. I am my greatest enemy. You're by right. the way I think. We we are and and I and I think sometimes what people think is it's easier to cast out a demon than it is to change our own thoughts. And and I was just <laughs> ministering actually to my daughter recently. 
definitely. And I'm like, you know what? I said, I think it's harder for us to capture our thoughts, to change our thoughts, to come out of agreement with that lie or, or that negativity. You know, it's easier, Chuck, if we just blame our problems on another person or mm. a demonic spirit yeah. than say, I need to change and, and I need to work on this. It's, sometimes it's hard to pull our thoughts back towards good in God, but I just think when we can't do that, I think, like, look at what Jesus did. I mean, like, look at what he did all the way to the cross and, and died this gruesome death. And I think if I can't pull my thoughts back into a positive direction, then what am I saying about what he did? Mm. You know, I think what he did was so valuable, and I want to honor. Yeah, well, he know? was maligned. He was falsely accused. Yeah. He was spit upon. Yeah. He was rejected. He was rejected by his own. He was rejected by his own family. He, I mean, when you start thinking about it, uh, Jesus went through all of those things like you and I do, yet without sin. In other words, he kept control and kept himself oriented toward the Father and his purpose on the planet. And not one word of his mouth ever contravened that. Right. I mean, I mean, like, think about it. Jesus had every excuse to have a mind battle, you know. But look at he endured what we did, and and he handled it without mm. sin. And that's what we have to do. And and we have to say, Jesus, you're important enough. What what that sacrifice is is important enough that I'm going to work to honor you. I'm going to work to advance the kingdom of God. And I'm going to take that responsibility and control my thoughts and change. And we can change. All right. So the question is not whether we can change, but whether we will change. And, uh, you know, it's like, Paul said, to will is present with me, but to do that which I will, that's another ball game altogether. And so here's the problem. And I, I think if we process this openly and honestly, uh, it should be very helpful to a lot of people. And, of course, it hel- it's helpful to us even as we speak it. So when you go back to what the Apostle Paul said, that the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly or carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then he tells us what to do. He says that we need to bring every one of our thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, here's the thing. And tell me if I'm wrong, and then let's, let's expound on this a little bit. Our th- we tend to speak what we think, don't we? We do, and okay. it gets us into trouble every day. That's exactly the point. See, <laughs> it gets so, us into trouble. So stinking thinking <laughs> revol- re- de- determines stinking speaking. And when we speak that which we think that is in error or that we have become identified with and chosen as a vain imagination to walk in, however real we think it is to us, we actually are self-creating and digging a deeper pit for our anxiety, our worry, our our fear, uh, our torment. We're actually self-creating it, aren't we? We are. You know, Proverbs eighteen twenty one says, death and life is in the power of the tongue. Now, why did you have to go there? You're stepping on toes again. 
know, when we look at the Bible, it says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So what? So we're encouraged when we hear Scripture, and it builds us in faith. But the opposite can happen, too. If we're going to speak out negativity, that's going to help weigh us down. That's going to add to our battle. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, our mouth is speaking. You took my Scripture. Come on. Oh, come on. We're just in this together, sister. That's what's the, that's the beauty of a program like this, isn't it? It is. This is fun. I, I tell you, you. I just love how real you are and how versed you are in the Scripture and how bold and strong and loving. You're like the complete package, Chuck. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I didn't even have to pay you for that. <laughs> Why do I need a, a PR representative when I've got Kathy DeGraw? <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about our our thinking. Uh, The problem is not that we have a thought. The problem is how I entertain that thought, isn't it? How I process that thought. So if I have a thought that may be true or not true, but it's what I'm feeling at the moment, if I choose to speak that over and over again, either out loud or in my own heart, and I keep mulling over it, it's like meditating on that which is tearing me down, isn't it? It is. We actually start owning it, possessing it, believing it, and we buy into that thought, that lie, and it transforms our thinking and our character, and that's how we behave and act out. And then we act that out to other people. Totally. And as you said in your book, hurting people hurt people. It is so true, and that's so much why we need to get our own healing and work through our own thought processes so that when people try and hurt us, we can be in faith and not stress and anxiety but also so that we don't go and hurt other people, that we can be loved. It's interesting. Uh, Again, Paul said, you know, we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. But apparently we are. Because we play into his, uh, his methodology. He knows that if we can get us involved in thinking thoughts that are contrary to the way God, through Christ, would have expressed himself on this planet. And we begin to worry, and we begin to mull over and think all the different kinds of things and how horrible people have treated us and all of this kind of thing. Then we become that person, and instead of winning the battle, we are actually purposely and ignorantly losing the battle at every front. It's true, and that's why we feel rejected and unworthy and insecure and inadequate. Mm. Because part of that, Chuck, is we're just bringing ourselves down instead of building ourselves up by mulling all that over and taking ownership and possession of it. I think maybe that's the reason why David, uh, the psalmist, talked about, uh, in Psalm 119, he talked about meditating on the Word and delighting in the Word. Mm. Meditating and delighting. But what's happening is, instead of delighting in the Word, we're delighting in mulling over our thoughts and vain imaginations, 
and then we're meditating on those and doing using the spiritual principle to destroy us. That is that is so true. And what we need to do is we need to get our mind focused on positivity, on what the Word of God says about us. You know, when we look at Second Timothy one seven, it says, "I've not been given a spirit of fear, which is also intimidation, but I've been given love and power in a sound mind." And we have to look at. And so, when fear tries to attack, we need to. Instead of putting all our focus on, I cast down fear, I cast down fear, we need to look at the second part of that verse that says, I've been given love and power. I've been given love and power, because that's encouraging, and that's edifying, yeah. and it's and it's positive. Well, somebody might say, though, yeah, I've got power, and uh, so uh, I'm going to insulate myself from everyone else, because I don't like what they're doing. I don't like the implications for my feelings, so I'm going to insulate myself Uh, from everybody else because I've got power. We got the Holy Ghost power to help us whatever we need. There it is. Kathy DeGraw, her book, Mind Battle. $17 will put it in your hands. Friends, you want some deliverance? You want hope? Here it is. It's on our website. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, A Letter to Pastors, The Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. It's always a delight to be able to join you here on Viewpoint to talk about the things that matter most. Not the things that matter from a political position, but the things that matter from God's viewpoint. You see, Viewpoint determines destiny, and our viewpoint concerning our thoughts, uh, our mind, how we think, how we speak, is determining destiny. There are no neutral viewpoints. Not yours, not mine. And that's why... We have to realize that what our guest today says in her book, The Devil Stakes Out His Prey, may very well be more true than you may realize. It's not that the devil's making you do it. It's that he will seize upon the words of your mouth that are revealing the thoughts of your heart. And then he says, ah, okay, all I have to do now is continue to work upon the thoughts and uh, drive it deeper and say, you're entitled to think that way, you're entitled to respond that way, and you're digging your hole deeper and deeper and deeper until there seems to be no remedy. Then you're looking to everybody else to correct your problem. What do you think, Kathy? I think you're right on. And we have to realize that sometimes we are in a spiritual war, sometimes it's ourselves, But God is a shield for us. He is the glory and the one who lifts up his head. Mm -hmm. And that's what we. I love that passage. 
I know. It's great. Psalm 3-3, you know, he's a, he's a shield for me, the glory and the one who lifts up our head. And when we set our love upon him, he will deliver us. Why? Because we're more than a conqueror through him who loves us. But and we have to be willing to be delivered, don't we? We have to be willing. We got to fight. You know, I think we got to fight when we don't feel like fighting. We got to pray when we don't feel like praying. We got to worship when we're feeling tormented. Mm. We got to just get up and, and get active. You know, it says in the Bible, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But we got to do something about. Oh, but wait a minute. That's not totally true what the Bible says. The Bible first says, submit to God. Yes, it Then does. resist the devil. That's our problem. We want to resist submitting. the devil, but we don't want to submit to God. You're right. I was just reading that scripture this morning. Oh, okay. Well, good, good, because you understand then that I'm not uh, uh, accusing you falsely. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It was, it's, it, you know, we have to submit. But the problem is, I really think, you know, if I can stress one thing to our friends today is we have something to do about our situation. Mm-hmm. And so we have to get in the presence of the Lord. We have to surrender our life to God. We have to submit to God. We have to get in the Word of God. Chuck, this is what he told me years ago when I was being pierced with torment. He said, Kathy, if you'll get in my Word and you'll fill your mind up with my Word, he said, there'll be no room for fear or torment. Mm-hmm. But I'll be honest, I wasn't in it as much as I should have been. <laughs> you yeah, know? I didn't, you know. You I said you believed Lord, it. But you I said you totally... believed it, but you weren't in it. I was in it, but I should have been in it for hours a day. Okay. You know, and so you know that's that's what he told me. He he told me that. You know, he goes, "You got to fill," and so we have to do something. And I think even the day that we're living in, you know, we're in fear. People are in fear. People are in torment. You know, these are going to be some hard times ahead of us. And he told me, he said, Kathy, you have to root out all fear out of yourself so that when things happen in the world, you can be in faith, you can be in the light, you can mm-hmm. be in the love, and you can help others. But that took, it took work, Chuck. It took effort. It took, you know, having to spend hours a day with the Lord. I, I ended up spending like two years of my life just prostrate on the carpet, just mm getting to know the greatest team of three that we have, Father God, Jesus, His Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, war is war, isn't it? A battle is a battle. It's not an easy day for a lady. (laughs) It's not. (laughs) But I think, friends, the other thing about the battle that really has been key is the power of speaking out against it, praying audibly, you know, declaring, you know, I break agreement with this mind-binding thought. I break agreement mm. with vain imaginations. You know, when that when that lie comes in or that negative thought comes in. But what if you allow it to come in and then you entertain it? Oh man, we do you, entertain you, you bring it. You bring it in for coffee and crumpets. You know, I was asking the Lord. I'm like, Lord, why do we entertain it when we know it's wrong and and friends, I want to be honest, man, I entertained way too many thoughts. Um, but what we have to do is then ditch it and pitch it, is what I call it. Ditch, ditch it, it and pitch it. Okay, that's ditch good. Ditch it and, 
and pitch it. We got to repent for entertaining it. One, you know, mm. we got to forgive ourselves and and ask the Lord to forgive us. I think we got to break agreement. We got to replace that thought that we entertained with God's word or some positivity. Right. Otherwise, seven worse demons are going to come in and take it over. That is so true. All right. Like, now you taught. You mentioned the word forgive, but I want to. Use your book. I'm going to read some excerpts from it. And uh, you say, unforgiveness is a stumbling block. Now, we know that theoretically, but in reality, don't quite get a grip on it. So I want to read what you've said here, and then I'd like you to, to expound on it. The stumbling block of unforgiveness is one of the main reasons we say stuck in mind battles. Whether someone is experiencing fear, anger, offense, or rejection, if they can't receive freedom in their mind, there's usually a forgiveness issue in their heart. The problem started in the heart, and there the battle remained. Because out of the abundance of the heart, their mouth speaks. A heart problem will likely lead to a mind problem. Now, I'm going to give you the floor here, because this is so critically important, I think. It is. And so if you're experiencing rejection in your heart, you're feeling rejection, that's going to create a mind battle of, I have to please people. I have to have their approval. And so what we do is we create this loop in our mind of, I'm feeling rejected in here but now, how do I figure it out in my mind? We're not going to release forgiveness. What we're doing is we're trying to overcompensate in the natural, mm-hmm. and we actually make more mind battles in the process. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. This is serious stuff. It, it really is. And so, you know, if we're afraid of somebody, what are we going to do? You know, we're going to retreat. We're going to isolate And so we're adding to the bondage if we don't forgive, because it just keeps compounding. And, you know, we don't have to feel like forgiving. We need to forgive because it's the right thing to do. Right. And the feelings will follow. They will. They totally. They totally will. I, I think about this one time, Chuck. I mean, like, I was really upset with this person over a year of activities, and I just like, all of a sudden, you know, the father just came in and gave me such a love that everything they did didn't even matter. But I believe it's because my heart was open to what the Holy Spirit wanted to do in my life. And so if we will surrender to the Holy Spirit, to the Lord, and say, you know what, maybe this problem isn't as bad as I think, or... You see, we want that entitlement. We want payback. We want justification. We mm, want that mm, person mm. to suffer. And, yeah, and that really holds us in bondage. And then all that stress, that anxiety, that worry, it creates, you know, diabetes. One of the main causes of diabetes is stress and anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, cancer, again, unforgiveness, yeah. offense, bitterness. And so if we can't release these things, we're not only putting ourselves in a mind battle, we're putting ourselves in a physical battle. Okay, now that's, that. Uh, there are consequences, in other words, 
none of our thoughts and our viewpoints are without consequence. They all have consequence. Mm, I want to uh, uh, read again uh, from your book. You have a section called Emotional Hurt Creates Soul Wounds. Unforgiveness left in our hearts will create a stronghold in our minds. Left unchecked, unforgiveness can create unhealthy feelings and a right to entitlements we want in the natural for an emotional problem. When we have been hurt, betrayed, rejected, or offended, or I should say, when we think we have been hurt, betrayed, rejected, or offended, we seek an apology and vindication for something. Unforgiveness in our hearts affects how we think and handle situations. And when we don't extend forgiveness to those who have hurt us, it builds a wall around our hearts. We say, I will never allow them to do this to me again. We don't want to be rejected, hurt, or traumatized, so we decide, I'm in control. I'm strong. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. Those yeah. were your words, sister. Mm-hmm. You went to the you went to the heart of the problem, and uh, I tell you, uh, we have seen congregations destroyed for lack yes. of forgiveness. Yes, we have seen congregations destroyed for people people taking up the offense of others. It's not just the offense to me. It's when I, through my feelings, take up the offense of others. Yes. That's even doubly dangerous. It is. It is. And, you know, we have to forgive. We have to, first of all, we got to stay in our own lane. You know, we shouldn't be taking on the offense and, and everything of other people. What we need to do is take those feelings as a call to war and pray and declare and decree for a victory and for the situation. But what we need to do is we need to say, Jesus died on the cross. In his word, it says, the greatest of these is love. It tells us how many times do we forgive. Mm. You know, and we just got to keep releasing it over and over until we fully come into alignment. And I mean, like, Chuck, Honestly, you can't reject me. You can't offend me because I'm free from me because he lives through me. Mm. Okay. And that's what we want our In other words, you to have hear. to have a will to be offended. You do. Okay. We're, we'll pick up on that, friends. The book, Mind Battles, uh, how to root out this stuff. And uh, it's $17 on our website, saveus.org. I hope you'll get a copy. Call us 1-800-SAVE-USA. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. 
incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. If you have blood flowing through your veins, you're going to be offended at some point. You just are. That's the nature of life on this planet. Because we all hold this treasure in earthen vessels, and that's true even for Christians. You see, in the body of Christ, people are offended over and over again. And then, instead of forgiving, they carry that offense, they begin communicating it to other people, and... They dig in a root of bitterness, and as the Apostle Paul said, warned us about allowing a root of bitterness to dig deeply in our minds and our hearts. And then he said that through that, we not only defile ourselves, but defile everyone around us. That sounds pretty serious, Kathy. It is. It is. Wow. Wow. I would, I would like to share something um, because somebody might say, well, this is all theoretical. You don't know my situation. You don't know, you know, it's kind of like the old song, nobody knows the trouble I've seen, nobody knows but Jesus. Yeah, nobody knows, right, except the rest of us have all been through it as well in one way or another. We just responded differently or uh, saw the situation differently And uh, so we responded. Years ago, in one sense, it's painful to remember this. On the other hand, it's not, because my wife and I dealt with it initially and right up front. But there was a Christian brother that we would refer to who supposedly was uh, a, a man who was godly, he had been the uh, a vice president of one or more Fortune 500 companies. Uh, somebody who could be trusted. The pastor recommended him to us. And so we placed some resources with him because of the situation in which it appeared that this was going to be the best way for us to put the money that God had entrusted to us to enable us to continue on with the ministry he had called us to without depending on any man's money. So I had walked away from the practice of law at the height of my career, and now we're out there. Well, unfortunately, what happened after about a year, we discovered that through a series of circumstances we don't have time to go through because it was quite dramatic. We discovered that this man had actually lied with every single report he had ever made, that everything was a fabrication. A fabrication so great that he had basically taken all the money and used it for other purposes. Now we're left with a situation where, now what are we going to do, Lord? This is what we had relied upon to do your work. And now it's all gone. It looks like we're going to have to sell everything. 
our home, cars, furniture, and then what? Well, the rest of the story is that Kathy and I realized this was going to be a mega, a mega battle for us spiritually. We had to forgive. And so we did. But our congregation did not. They took up the offense for us. And we could see this was not going to be a pretty picture. So the Lord gave my wife an idea as to how to bring the congregation into forgiveness. And so she got this massive basket and uh, brought it before the congregation. She said, this is a serious situation. There's no question about it. And we're not, uh, we're not saying that this fella has done anything right, but he has a wife and we're going to bless her because she's been terrified by this circumstance that her husband has done unbeknownst to her. So she says, next week, I want you to all to bring something and we're going to fill up this basket and we're going to take it to this man's wife to bless her as an act of our obedience. Do you know what happened, Kathy? Mm, There was an unbelievable release in that congregation. The people responded gloriously. They no longer had to take up our offense because we had given up the offense. Oh, that's good. And years later, someone came to us and said, you know why I was able to overcome this particular very painful situation in my life? Because I watched what happened there, and it gave me the courage to forgive. I just, I just think it's, it's not to lift ourselves up because obviously there have been situations in our life where maybe we didn't forgive properly. But forgiveness is an act of faith. It is. You're right on. And we have to do it. And we're going to free ourselves when we do it. But I also love your testimony because it frees others. And so for those of you right now that are holding on forgiveness in your heart, Think about how maybe it's affecting your parents or your spouses or your children, how maybe you're not living life to the fullest Mm. because where you can't forgive, you're depressed, you're bitter, you're angry, and you're taking it out on those closest to you. You know, we have the power to forgive because as believers, we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. And we do it in his strength when we can't do it in our own. we got to co-labor with him and say, Holy Spirit, maybe I don't know how to forgive. Maybe I can't let go of this situation. Mm -hmm. But we have to release it because as we release it, it's going to minister to that spouse that maybe isn't walking as close to the Lord as you are. It's going to minister to your children and and model forgiveness, but it's going to release that bitterness out of your heart so you can go and speak love into other people. Kathy, do you think this has the power to heal whole families? Oh, definitely. I've seen it, Chuck. I've seen it. The the transformation, uh, the the freedom, the liberation. 
it it really it really does because it, it's modeled. You know, I even think about this is a simple story, but my mother in law used to say, "Your kids need to eat the green beans. They need to eat the green beans." And one day she called me up and she goes, "Kathy, I'm so sorry that I was forceful and told them to eat the green beans." And I tell you, Chuck, she wasn't forceful at all. But right <laughs> there, Chuck, that modeled. I preached. I wrote on it. I showed it to my kids. I modeled it to my kids. That one act taught me the power of forgiveness, and it taught me just to extend forgiveness, Mm. to just apologize. It just taught me such a life lesson of humility, of when we can just release something. And, I mean... You used the word humility. If I hang on to that which is offensive to me, or I have reasoned in my mind uh, through vain imaginations or whatever, if I hang on to that, am I hanging on in pride? Definitely. You're hanging on in pride because you, you want an entitlement. You feel like you're owed something. You're hanging on pride, and there's actually some control in there, too, when we can't let go. And so we have to say, and this is what I like to say, we're not entitled to anything. We're here to love God, love people, serve God, serve people. Mm-hmm. Period. End of story. Yeah. Reminds me of a song that the Gaither vocal band used to sing, Loving God, Loving Each Other. Yeah. And the story never ends. Loving God, Loving Each Other. And the story never ends. I'll never forget it. You know, I don't always want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, when I get up to heaven. I want to hear, you loved well. Mm. That's that's my thing. I want it to be, you loved well. And that comes with forgiving much. Pray for us. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. And Holy Spirit, I just ask for you to convict to that person right now, many people who have that bitterness and that resentment and that offense in their heart. Show them, give them a glimpse of your glory and how good it will feel to let this go. Give them the strength to let it go. Let the bygones be bygones. And I thank you, Jesus, that you purchased everything at the cross, that unforgiveness, that resentment, that bitterness, that offense, the hurt, the rejection, the fear, the stress, and the anxiety. You purchased it so that we could live life and live it abundantly, abundant living, victorious living. And so I just speak and decree right now for mind transformation that this will not just be information, but people will go and use this as transformation in their life so that they can change their family change their generation. Mm. Father God, give them a touch of you, a fresh love, a fresh filling of your spirit, and help them to break free from the chains that bind them so tightly, because freedom feels good. We just release that freedom, that shalom peace into them right now. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Kathy. 
I don't uh, always ask someone to to pray, but I felt lead, led to do that, and I'm so glad that I did. Amen. Thank the Lord you, bless God. you and keep you, Kathy. You, you've been a blessing here today. Friends, the book Mind Battles, uh, how to root out these things. And uh, I trust that it's been helpful to you. Uh, perhaps there's been some conviction involved. Conviction is a good thing. But when we don't respond to the conviction, then the enemy comes in with condemnation. And that's what you don't want, because that will deepen your mind battle and your heart battle. Don't let it happen to you. Again, thanks for joining us. The book Mind Battles, $17. We'll put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing uh, a check at $5 for postage and handling. And again, Uh, May I encourage you, my friend, uh, we're preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour. If we don't deal successfully and win the battle over things like this, we're not ready for for Christ to come. Because he's not coming back for a bride with spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. Jesus said, if you will not forgive others their trespasses against you, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. Is there something about that we don't understand yet? This is serious. Yes, it's about freedom. Yes, it's about restoration of joy in the Holy Spirit. Because the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. But it requires us to respond. I hope you will. I hope you'll become a partner with us and your gifts by faith to save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. I hope you'll consider becoming a monthly partner with us so that we can continue to get the message out more broadly. You see, it's very difficult to challenge people like today. Because people, you see, they want to feel good But we're not going to feel good unless we are good. Unless we're following the word, the will, and the ways of the Lord. With a whole heart. I trust that today's program has been a blessing to you. Respond. As the scripture says, today is the day of salvation. Don't harden your heart. Again, Kathy, thank you so much for joining us. You're a blessing, my sister. Thank you, Chuck. It's an honor. All right, friends, there it is. We lay it all out. God bless and be a blessing. listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.